0: Good morning, Journey. Great to see you on this Memorial Day weekend. I'm assuming this is everyone that couldn't get a camping spot for the weekend, right? That's who's here this morning. I was just telling people last night that Saturday morning, it seemed like there was like an armada of campers leaving my neighborhood, heading to the hills, and and I was doing sermon prep. But I get to be with you this weekend, and that is always an honor. ABC News has a news show called What Would You Do, hosted by John Quinones. And I don't know if it's a very popular show or not, but I find this show absolutely fascinating. And this is, the, if you haven't seen the show, kind of the premise of the show is that they stage these situations that place people in the surrounding um, of these situations in a dilemma. What should I do? And oftentimes, it's, it's just these unusual type situations where people think that they should or what they ought to do is step in to these situations and speak truth but what's fascinating is you just watch people and so often what they do is they just stand back and they watch things happen one of the last episodes that i saw what they had was this kind of an eating area it was kind of a large courtyard and there were lots of people that were in this courtyard eating and a couple of their actresses that they had were these young attractive high school girls that were sitting there eating. And then another actor that came into the show, uh, or came into this situation, was this guy that was posing as a modeling agent. And this is what he did. This, this other actor, this guy, kind of a creepy looking guy, just a little bit, uh, walks up to this table of these two young girls, and he says, you guys have just the look that we are looking for and of course they're just all excited I've got the look that they're looking for he said here's what I'm going to do I'm going to take a couple pictures of you with my phone I'm going to send them back to my producer in LA and if you have the look that we're looking for if he thinks that you have the look what I want to do is take you back to my apartment and we'll do a private photo shoot where we can show off your beauty even more and all this is happening, everybody around them can hear all of this interaction. So he takes a couple of pictures with his phone, and then he leaves. And all the time, these hidden cameras are watching the responses of people. And you just see some people, their eyes are getting really big, like, this is not good. You should not be hanging out with that guy. And some people just shake their heads. Some people just kind of laugh. But what's interesting is very few people do or say anything Every once in a while, there's someone that would be brave and they would step into the situation and they would go over to this table of young girls and say, do not go anywhere with this man. This is not how these things take place in the business world. Do not go with him. And one time, even a guy, as this guy came back and said, I'd like, to, I'd like you to leave with me, he actually got up in the guy's face and said, no, these girls are not going with you. But here's the thing, after this is all exposed that this was kind of a hidden setup, they interview the people and they talk with them about why they did what they did. And oftentimes it's the the heroes of the show are really those people that say, I am gonna step into a situation. I am gonna bring truth into this situation. I don't care if it's not socially acceptable. I don't care if it's awkward. I'm gonna step in and say something when something needs to be said. And kind of the goats of the show are all those people that just sat around, watched what was going on, and did absolutely nothing. And it's just interesting to hear them over and over try to give excuses for why they just sat there, why they didn't do anything to help people around them. And as you watch this show a little bit, you start to see that, and you can just see this in our lives as well. In our culture, there's kind of this uh, hidden thing in us that says we just mind our own business. We don't get involved in other people's stuff. We don't judge anyone or their situation. But as you watch this show, you sit there and you look at it and you think about putting yourself in that situation. And you ask the question, what would I do? What would I do if I was in that situation? Well, here's where I want to make a connection to why we're here today. I want to raise the bar a little bit in our lives and not just talk about all the situations that we deal with in everyday life. I want to talk a little bit today about our spiritual lives. What would you do if there was a situation in the spiritual life of someone around you where it just looked like there was danger? This person is drifting from God. You see maybe things in their character, things in their behavior that just don't match up with someone that is intimately walking with God in their life. And you have to sit back and ask yourself the question, what would I do in a situation like that? Maybe I don't know exactly what's going on, but it just seems like not everything is right. It just doesn't quite look right. What are you going to do? And sometimes it's obvious what's going on in the life of a person, but oftentimes it's not exactly obvious. It's not always black and white. But what do you do when you have those question marks in the back of your mind? And what do you do when maybe even you sense that the Holy Spirit is nudging you in certain ways to move toward people that may be in a place where they're drifting from God? What do you do? Do you just figure out a way to try to bury those concerns, just sweep them under the rug? Do you just say to yourself, "Well, maybe I'll just kind of quietly pray for them. I'm not going to get involved in it, but I'll just say a prayer for them." And I'm not—I'm not dismissing prayer. I think that's very important, but. The question is, are we going to get involved with them? Am I going to talk about them to other people? Oftentimes in our culture, that's what we see people do. We don't talk to people about things going on in their life. We talk about them. Or if we really want to Christianize it, we try to combine those two, and we combine the prayer request with the talking about people. Well, you're not going to believe what's going on in so-and-so's life, but so that you can pray more intelligently, let me tell you. And then we look spiritual because it's all about prayer, right? Not at all. When do we get involved? Should we get involved? These are great questions for us to answer. And you know, the Bible addresses this very, very clearly. When is it right for us to get involved? We're gonna look at a text of scripture from Hebrews chapter three, starting in verse seven. And I wanna set up the context for what we're gonna look at a little bit today. The author of this book, he's warning his, his audience of Jewish believers against the potential that they have of turning their back on God. And he centers his teaching around reminding them of their ancestors, reminding them of what the nation of Israel had gone through in their history. He reminded them that there was a time when God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt out of slavery, and he brought them to the place of the promised land, and they were right on the edge of the promised land. But then they turned their back on God. They said, "God, we can take it from here. We've got it from here on out." They turned their back on God, and disaster came to them. And what happened was that it ended up that there were 40 years for the nation of Israel of wandering in the wilderness, waiting for that generation, of the nation to die off, so that God could take the next generation. Into the Promised land. And so as the author is writing to this group of Jewish believers, he's reminding them that there was a heart of rebellion in their ancestors. And the reason that he's saying that is because he knows that that same heart of rebellion lives in his audience as well, the people that he's writing to. And friends, the reason that this is recorded in the text of Scripture is that that same heart of rebellion that existed in the nation of Israel, in this Jewish audience, it exists in me and it exists in you. Every one of us has this propensity to want to turn our back on God and take it alone. We'll take our life of faith on our own. And here's what the scripture says. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. What the author is trying to communicate to us, bottom line is if you hear his voice, And I think I would even amplify that and say when you hear his voice because God wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear him. If you hear his voice, he says, do not harden your heart. Do not let your heart go astray. When you hear the voice of God, whatever it is that he's saying to you, say yes to him. Be responsive to him because we have a potential in us when we start stiff-arming God, when we start giving God the Heisman in our life, our heart can become hard like a stone. Our heart can become calloused where it's not responsive to the things of God. It's not responsive any longer to his voice. What the author is saying is keep your heart soft. Keep your heart moldable. Keep your heart responsive to me. When you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. And friends, let's just, let's just ask the basic question, where do we hear the voice of God? Now there's lots of places and ways that God speaks to us, but I've got to say that primarily the way that God has chosen to speak to us is through his scripture. The Bible, rightly understood, says about itself that this is the exhaling of God. This book is God breathed. This is God's voice to us. And in that sense, God's word, his voice, is authoritative in our life. Authoritative in the sense that to disobey what God has said to us in his scripture is to disobey God himself. But here's the question that I have. If we're at that place where our heart is becoming hard to God and we're beginning to turn away from him, my experience is it's not in those times that I'm spending lots of time pouring over the scriptures, listening for the voice of God. In fact, I'm probably listening to just about every other voice that's out there in my life. I'm probably listening to the voice of my own fleshly desires because I want what I want when I want it. I'm probably listening to the voice of the world around me, the world that says, come this way to find life. Life isn't found in God. Come this way. This is where you're going to find life. The voice of the world can be so alluring to us. And maybe even listening to the voice of the enemy himself. The one that is bent on stealing, killing, and destroying you and me. Those are the voices that we're probably listening. So we're in this place when we're turning our back from God and we're not listening to his voice. Where does the voice of God come from in our life? The author tells us coming up that it comes from each other. That we are to be the voice of God into each other's life. This is what the scripture says. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. If you could just keep that up there for a second. Sorry, Whitney, I messed you up. I wanna read that again and try to unpack a little bit of what the author is talking about right here. He says, see to it, brothers. And when he uses that term brothers, what he's talking about, it's a a shorthand term of saying the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God. See to it, family of God, that none of you, and that word there, you, that he uses, it's not a you singular, it's a you plural. If he was from Texas, he would say y'all. See to it, brothers, that none of you all has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but in contrast to that, encourage one another daily. You catch that word, one another? This is a team activity. This walk of faith, this life of faith, is not just about you, it is about a community of people, a family of people, a body of people living out their faith together. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you, None of you all, none of us, may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Friends, it's not this idea that you're just to take care of your own spiritual yard, and I'm supposed to be over here taking care of my spiritual yard. The picture that we get in Scripture is that we are to help each other take care of all of our spiritual yards by speaking truth, encouraging one another, and I want to think a little bit about that word that the author uses there, encourage. And the NIV translates the Greek word there, encourage. And I think that's a, a, an okay translation, but I don't think it captures the intensity of what the author is trying to communicate there. If you look at other translate, translations, they were, use words like exhort one another, admonish one another, speak truth to one another. And the NLT that Brian usually teaches from, I think captures it even the best. It says, you must warn each other every day. Warn each other, raise the red flag in each other's life. When you see things in our lives that looks like we're drifting from God, God commands us to be his voice into the lives of each other every day. We are to be looking out for each other every day. We're to be warning each other every day the bottom line picture friends is that we need each other we need each other to live out this life of faith and the reason we need that is so that our heart won't become callous that we won't turn away become hardened become insensitive and unresponsive to God and I think as I've looked at this passage I think there's an actual pattern that the author unfolds here that I think is worth looking at as well. And I don't know if it's intentional, but in some ways I actually think it is. In verse 12, it says, see to it brothers that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I see this idea that there's sin that takes root in our life. Our sin leads to unbelief, and then ultimately we turn away from God. And the reason I believe that that's an intentional pattern is because I've seen that so often in my own life and the lives of other people around me. We can be in this place where there's great intimacy with God, great connection with God. Our eyes are firmly on him. But suddenly something happens in our life, and it can be just a very subtle thing where we just become distracted. We turn away just a little bit from him. And it might just be that our priorities change, our perspective changes, but our eyes move from him to something else. And sometimes that leads to compromise in our life. And maybe that isn't even where we intended, but sin has a way of compounding in our life, snowballing in our life. And we can see those places where we've turned from God and we begin to see sin snowball and taking root in our life. And suddenly when we're in those times, those are the times in my life when my picture of God becomes really unclear. Like, God actually kind of becomes fuzzy. It's like, is he really real? Is he really involved? Is he in this with me? And that oftentimes leads to unbelief in our life. I don't even really know if God is here or not. And that leads to unbelief. And when we're in a place of unbelief, we just continue to snowball in sin, turning away from God, and suddenly we find ourselves walking away from him. Now, if we thought about it, this is not something that we probably ever planned to do in the very beginning when we just simply took our eyes off of him. But this is oftentimes how we see this happen in our life. And this, rarely, friends, does this ever happen overnight. It's not like one day I'm just enjoying the presence of God, walking with him in great intimacy and closeness, and then the next day I've completely turned my back and walked away from him. It seems it's always a process of turning and moving away from him. And this is what the author is trying to tell us. In the midst of that process, when we see that in the lives of people around us, that's when we are to warn each other, encourage one another, exhort one another, speak truth to one another. We need to be in each other's lives as we see this this process playing out in the lives of people around us. God wants us to help each other daily, warn each other daily. But as i said at the very beginning our culture and i think even our church church culture doesn't make this easy because we still have this idea that i don't get involved in other people's business i just mind my own business so how do we how do we seek to try to obey what it is that god is asking us to do here to speak truth to one another to exhort one another As I've tried to help people over years, try to press into the lives of people around and there's a handful of just resistances that I've seen over and over that come up in, in people's lives. Things that they'll say, for this reason, I don't think I wanna get involved. And one of them, is people often say, getting involved in other people's lives or saying hard things to people or bringing up things, it's, it's just awkward. It's just awkward to do that. If I wanna talk with people about areas of their life that might be concerning, that could be potentially awkward. Well, let me just put your mind at ease right now. Friends, it won't potentially be awkward, it will always be awkward. Anytime that we want to press it. In fact, if it's not awkward for you and you actually like doing it, my guess is that you're probably not very good at it and you're probably not gonna get a very good response rate from people. It is always awkward. But if not being awkward was the litmus test, for obedience, none of us would ever step into someone else's life. Several years ago, I had a friend, and he was in a dating relationship with a gal that didn't live in Montana. He had moved here, and we developed our friendship, but the gal that he was, he was dating was back east, and I didn't know her very well, but because of our close friendship, as he proposed to her, he asked if I would be one of the groomsmen in his wedding, and uh, I loved him, and I was honored to be able to, to stand up on the stage with him on his wedding day. But a few months before the actual wedding, uh, his fiance moved out to Montana. And so I actually had the opportunity to get to see them as a couple. And I just I just didn't like what I saw. I didn't like the things that I saw in her. I didn't like the way that she treated him. I didn't like the way that she talked about him. And all the time inside, I was just really unsettled about this and there were things that were going on in their relationship and they would spend time with my wife and I and, and after they would leave I would say things to my wife like I can't believe that he's going to marry her this just seems so unlike him I don't know what he sees in her and I just began to get really uneasy about this well one time as I was complaining to my wife about this she looked me right in the eye and she said you are a terrible friend I was <laughs> like What do you mean I'm a terrible friend? And she goes, you think all these things, but you aren't telling him, you're a terrible friend. And sometimes my wife is an incredible Holy Spirit in my life, but I began to think, you know, she's right. But I began to think, how awkward is that gonna be? Because just a few weeks from now, I'm gonna be standing up front at a church At a wedding, standing down at the end of the line, waving at my friend, saying, yep, I'm the one thinking that you shouldn't marry this gal. How awkward is that gonna be? But I was convinced if I believe that these things are true and the things that I'm seeing are concerning, I owe it to my friend to step into his life and to say those things. And I've gotta tell you, that was one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had in my life. I mean, the the lump in my throat was just painful as I tried to tell him the things that were on my heart. And as he listened to me, he was a wise friend. Uh, He didn't just take it at face value. He began to talk to other people in his life and ask them questions. Say, my friends saw this, and I want to know what you think. And person after person began to say, we see the exact same things. Long story short, within a matter of days, the, the wedding was off. And over the years, multiple times, my friend has come to me, and he said, thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to step into my life and say the things that nobody else was saying. I am so grateful. And it was awesome. Just a handful of years later, I got to stand up with him at his wedding and watch him marry one of the greatest gals that I know and just see an incredibly happy life together. But friends, hard things, things that are concerning to us about the lives of other people, it is going to be awkward for us to say those things but if we love people and we care about people we've got to be willing to push through that and oftentimes friends i would just say it, it actually even strengthens your relationship people that are wise will value people in their life that care enough to say the hard things another thing that people often say is who am i to say anything into someone else's life i'm not perfect. I mean, when you think about it, that's a pretty good point, isn't it? Like, why would I be able to say something about someone else's life that I'm concerned about when I'm not perfect myself? So I was thinking about this, and I just thought, we don't want to have a bunch of people running around pot calling the kettle black kind of thing. So I came up with an idea that I think I'm going to run by Brian and see if he's up for it. What we need to do at Journey to solve this problem so that we can be obedient to this text of Scripture is what we're going to do is we're going to round up all the perfect people at Journey. And this is what we're going to do. I I think we're going to call them the Journey Posse. What we're going to do is we're going to get them cowboy hats and badges, maybe even some six shooters or something. And if we have an issue in our life or a friend's life where we just feel like someone needs to do some exhortation, someone needs to speak truth, we're just going to call one of the perfect people to come in and do that for us. Doesn't that sound great? We're off the hook. It's not awkward for us and someone who's perfect does it. Well, your reason you chuckle is because it's absolutely silly. If perfection was a prerequisite for function to obey this command, none of us would ever do this. Perfection isn't what we need. We just need to have a love and a care for people. That's all we need. We don't have to be perfect. And oftentimes I hear people say, Well, the Bible says do not judge, and you know, that's a good point too, because Jesus actually said do not judge, and so that kind of feels like a little bit like a trump card. Well, if Jesus said it, who am I to do that? I don't have time to unpack it fully, but what I want you to understand is in the context of what Jesus was talking about, he wasn't talking about we don't have the capacity to decide between good and bad and right and wrong. We do have the capacity to judge, to make those judgments. What he's talking about in the Sermon on the Mount is he's talking about a heart attitude. What he's saying is not do not judge, he's saying do not be judgmental. Do not come at these things with a critical heart or a critical spirit or a desire in your heart to bring judgment upon the other person. It's all about our attitude. It's not judging if we speak truth, but we do it out of a humble heart. If our heart's deepest desire is to help the person that's sitting across the table from us, we wanna love them, we wanna care for them. We don't wanna bring condemnation or judgment. And lastly, am I open to hear from others? Something that can make it difficult for us to speak into the lives of other people is because we're not the kind of people that will allow other people to speak into our lives. Friends, we need to be the kind of people that are willing to open up the curtain of our life and allow people to see inside and allow people to be able to speak truth into our lives without defensiveness because we need people's feedback in our life. We need people's help in our life. And maybe you're at that place in your life where you think, is there anybody in my life that would give me honest feedback about my spiritual life? Is there anybody that's talking with me about where I'm at with Jesus and how I can grow? And if you think through that and there's not anyone that comes across the screen of your mind, friends, I would say your very next step would be to start to cultivate a relationship like that. Maybe you've got a close friend in your life but you've never given them that kind of access to your life. I would go to them very directly and just say, you know, I trust you. I love you. I want to hear what you would have to say to me. I don't want there to be any barriers for you speaking truth into my life. And what you'll see is as as other people begin to help shape your life, it gives you courage to want to be able to help others because you'll see that it helps you grow. It helps us when we have people speaking into our life and bringing truth. And as we kind of Round third and head for home at the end of this message, I just wanna give you a couple of thoughts to keep in mind when you get to that place where it's like you sense that God is asking me to move toward someone. What do I do? How do I actually do that? One thought would be the first thing you need to do is ask yourself honestly, what is my motive? What is my motive in doing this? Why am I gonna do this? And if you look into your heart and your motive is anything other than concern for them, love for them, compassion for them. And if you don't even see, if you don't see in your heart a deep humility, then you're probably not ready to talk with them. In fact, if you look at your heart and your motivation is, well, I'm frustrated with them. I'm irritated with them. Their sin and whatever's going on in their life is spilling over into my life and it's kind of bugging me. If that's what you see in your heart, they may need someone to speak into your life, their life, but friend, you are not the person. The person that speaks into their life needs to be someone who is motivated by love and care and concern. And our maturity is at stake in this. When Paul talks about what brings us to maturity in Ephesians chapter four, he talks really specifically, not only that we would speak truth to one another, but how we would do that, and that that would be packaged in love. In Ephesians chapter four, he says, then we will no longer be infants, that kind of a picture of immaturity. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, meaning in contrast to that, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. What he's asking us to do, friends, is speak the truth But he makes it really clear that that truth is packaged always in love we speak the truth in love that needs to be our heart motivation a second thing as you approach someone is always affirm the relationship let them know why it is that you're moving toward them i love you i care about you and oftentimes as i if i feel like i've got to say something hard to someone i actually tell them you know this is really hard for me Because I love you so much and I value our relationship so much, it would grieve me to no end to think that anything that I would say would drive a wedge in our relationship. But I really care about you and I feel like I want to address this issue that I see. Affirm the relationship. Let them know that they matter to you more than anything. And a third thing is to give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't assume that Your perception of what you see and what's going on is 100% correct. Don't go in with your guns blazing. Don't assume that you have all the answers. Give them the benefit of the doubt and ask questions. Give them the opportunity to respond. Just say, I'm seeing this thing and I'm wondering what that means. Can you tell me more about that? Don't assume that you know everything. And the last thing is we need to be people that help each other do this we need to help each other move into one another's lives. I've said it multiple times already tonight, we can tend to be people that wanna talk about people rather than talk to people. And this is how sometimes I picture it. I picture it as these triangles of relationship where these two people are talking about this person here. What we need to be as a community of Christ followers is people that are committed to squashing those triangles squashing those triangles and moving one another to them if you find yourself in a conversation where someone is talking about someone else you owe it to that other person to force this person to talk to them they can process it with you and just say you know I I hear your concerns I understand that now what you need to do is you need to go talk to them and I'll give you a week to do that you come back to me and tell me how it went we need to be people who force other people to talk to them not talk about them Not long ago I was uh, with a buddy and we were just having a conversation and uh, a mutual friend of ours was having a conversation with someone uh, just a short distance away and those two, they were both married but not to each other. And as we were sitting there, there, and I want to just say out front that there was nothing inappropriate that was happening around that conversation in any way. But as I was sitting there with my friend and we were talking and, and I'm just kind of, there was this conversation that we were observing. There was something in me that just started to get really uneasy about that conversation. And I didn't, and I didn't have any idea why. I didn't have any Understanding of what was going on, but there was just this concern. And it just kept welling up in my heart until finally the, the guy that I was talking to here, I just said, this might sound really weird, but I, I just have these, this weird feeling about that conversation that's happening over there. And he looked at me and he said, I've been thinking the exact same thing, but ne- none of us, neither of us could put our finger on it. And I just thought, I wonder if God is, if there's a reason that we should press into something with our friend over there. And so with all the courage that I could, I mustered up everything that I could, and I turned to my friend that I was talking to, and I said, dude, I think you need to say something to him. <laughs> and he said, you know, I think you're right. I might, just, I might just ask him what it is that was going on there. And it, was, and it was nothing. But we want to be the kind of people that are committed to moving toward people. We're not going to just talk about people. We're going to talk to people. And if I could just put a bottom line on the things that I've tried to communicate to you this morning, what I feel like the scripture is saying to us, the bottom line is this, friends, we need each other. We need each other. We can't do this alone. This, this life of faith, this walk of faith, to get to the end, being, having been faithful to the things that God has asked us to do, we need each other. We need to be in each other's lives. I need you. And you need me and we need each other. As I was thinking about this and looking over this message and thinking over the, the history of my life, I began to think about all those people in my life that were brave enough and bold enough and loved me enough and cared enough about me to say the hard things to me, to ask me the hard questions in life. And those people that were bold enough to hold the mirror up to my life, And allow me to see the blind spots in my life that everyone else could see, but that I couldn't see. And I just think I wouldn't be the person that I am today apart from people loving me like that and caring for me like that. And I know it was awkward for them. I know it was hard for them. But my maturity depended on it. I needed people like that. And friends, you need people like that. We need each other. The scripture says in Proverbs 27, the wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. We need to be willing to raise the red flag to warn one another because the wounds from a friend can be trusted. As we ask you to put your things aside, I want you to just take a little bit of time right now and go to prayer and just talk to the Father right now and just ask him, Father, is there anything that you would want to say to me today? I wanna hear your voice. Father, and I don't want to harden my heart. Is there anything that you want to say to me about this? And Father, is there anything that you would want me to do as a result of that? In just a minute, I'll close us in prayer. Want to humbly come before you and just say God that we need you father we need your voice in our life God we want to hear from you God we want to be people that do not harden our heart we want to be people who are responsive to anything that you would say to us anything that you would ask us to do anything that you would want us to be father we need you And Father, we understand from your scripture that we need each other. God, I pray that as a church community, God, you would grow us in that. That we would have the kinds of relationships, that we would have the kinds of connections with people around us. That we can model this and model it well. God, what it looks like to exhort one another, encourage one another, speak truth to one another. Father, I pray that you would just show us in our hearts and our lives our need for the people around us. God, give us the courage to encourage people around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.